From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, IOL scaffold and IOL gluing for capsular rupture. It has been proven that uh, IOL scaffold procedure, it really does not, uh, the phagomulsification power and the procedure does not really damage the anterior optic surface. First this. 2017 marks the launch of a new meeting, the iWorld Surgical Summit in Deer Valley, Utah. The beauty of Deer Valley is astounding. Gorgeous mountains, crisp air, wonderful food, and Deer Valley is justifiably famous for its fabulous skiing. And all of this is just the backdrop to the most convivial and practical meeting of the year. The iWorld Surgical Summit focuses on advances and techniques that you can apply to your practice immediately. Look for links to next year's Surgical Summit at surgicalsummit.iworld.org. And did I mention the skiing? As Leo Tolstoy said, uncomplicated cataract surgeries are all alike. Every complicated cataract surgery is complicated in its own way. Certainly he was right when it comes to posterior capsule rupture. And one of the worst times to experience such a rupture is when a lot of nuclear material remains. Priya Narang recently completed a study of a combination technique for managing posterior capsule rupture early in phacoemulsification. emulsification. And I'm happy to welcome Priya back as my guest today. Priya, let, let me just set this up. So despite all of our advances in, in technique and in surgical technology, posterior capsule rupture still happens. So before we discuss the different methods for managing a posterior capsule rupture, let's speak briefly about what not to do. So when we see a posterior capsule rupture, what are the things that we don't want to do? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I would like to say that whenever uh, we encounter a posterior capsule rupture, uh, at times it comes as a shock to the surgeon because the surgeon is probably not expecting or probably the surgeon might be expecting because the surgeon is already struggling in the surgical procedure. So whenever you see any sign uh, that may indicate the presence of a posterior capsule rupture, like you have a sudden deepening of the anterior chamber, or you have a pupil, or you have a sudden uh, pupillary dilation, you have a non-followability of the nuclear fragments. You should just take a pause and do not try to endeavor to do something extra at that point of time, because probably you are going to land in a bigger complication than what you are having at that point of time. So uh, the surgeon should just take a deep breath, and you. Uh, take a viscoelastic or probably uh, OBD in the other hand, in the, uh, in the left hand, if the surgeon is a right-handed surgeon, and you just inject it into the anterior chamber, and slowly you withdraw the phacoemulsification probe. Uh, at every point of time, you should be very careful that you, not, you do not really suddenly decompress the anterior chamber because it can further lead to uh, expansion of the posterior capsular rupture and its sequential complications. So once you have done that, uh, and your anterior chamber, you find it stable. You need to assess what is going wrong at that point of time. Uh, you can take a dialer or um, a hook in your hand and you can try to see the nuclear fragments which are there. So you need to assess the clinical situation at that point of time. Yeah, so I, as, as you said, I'm going to reiterate something that, that, you, that you just said. The one thing that you don't want to do is you don't want to immediately come out of the, out of the eye. And you want to maintain 
irrigation and as you are doing so you want to introduce ideally a, a dispersive uh, visco elastic agent uh, to take up space to keep as much of the vitreous back as you as you can but of course never make the assumption that you that all the vitreous is uh, back because there probably uh, are going to be some some strains coming forward so you we're, we're going to be talking about your development of of a, of a technique that it's very 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 clever but tell me Priya before this new technique that we're going to be talking about how were you managing cases of posterior capsule rupture particularly cases in which there was a rupture relatively early in the case when you still have a lot of nucleus in the eye uh, that's a good question. What we used to do in these cases was that uh, if there is a sinking nucleus, definitely we would levitate into the anterior chamber. Once you have all the fragments lying up into the anterior chamber, uh, the most common thing that we used to do at that point of time was enlarging the incision, uh, it, whether it was a corneal incision or whether it was a scleral tunnel incision. Uh, whatever uh, incision we had chosen at that point of time, we had to enlarge it and we had to express the nuclear fragments out from the anterior chamber, then uh, we would just suture up the cornea so that we have a taut eye at that point of time, then do vitrectomy and remove the uh, cortical matter and then handle the situation depending upon whether you have a sulcus support, you do not have a sulcus support and how you go ahead uh, with the residual uh, uh, fragments which were there. Now, uh, when, when you say levitate, just, just so that, that, I, that, I, that I understand what, what you mean, what you don't mean is you don't mean to try to bring anteriorly uh, nuclear pieces that have fallen in, in the vitreous. What you mean is, is that you're trying to get um, an OVD between the rupture and the nucleus that's still there. That's a perfect question. Uh, I would recommend doing a posterior assisted levitation uh, for the fragments which are lying in the anterior vitreous. It's definitely yes. For the fragments which are lying in the mid-vitreous cavity, it depends upon the location where it is present. If it is peripherally located and if the surgeon really finds it difficult, uh, no fishing movement should be done into the mid-vitreous. And when it goes beyond that, and if you are an anterior segment surgeon, it's a typical no. At that point of time, you should be consulting your uh, colleagues who are vitro-retinal experts and the case has to be referred out there for managing the nuclear fragments. That's the first point of uh, line of treatment and the first point uh, that a surgeon should bear in mind and you have to resist the temptation of putting a vectus or something into the midvitreous cavity and just trying to think that oh I can I can pu pull this out no you should avoid doing it because you are going to pull a lot of vitreous along with it now when you have it in the anterior vitreous for example uh, it is easy provided uh, you do it perfectly like you do a posterior assisted levitation you can inject a viscoelastic a viscoat which has been described before or you can even use a rod and a spatula as described by Dr. Kalman and uh, Dr. Packard. So uh, you go ahead with that, bring the nuclear fragments into the anterior chamber and for the mid-vitreous, uh, it depends if it's centrally located, yes, you can still try to levitate it from the parts plana side by doing a pawl or otherwise it has to be referred. Priya, talk me through your, your procedure, this innovative new procedure. 
yes, um, this is uh, we call it's a combination of three procedures: the modified posterior assisted levitation, which is then followed by Iwellsky fall procedure, where the nuclear fragments are emulsified, and the third is the Iwell fixation procedure, which is a glued IL procedure. Uh, now these are the three techniques that we do in combination with each other uh, in all the cases which have a posterior capsular rupture with a sinking nucleus with a deficient capsular support and a non-emulsified nuclear fragment at that point of time. So in this technique we do uh, initially uh, the basic concept is that uh, we cannot make flaps at a later point in the surgery. So when you are aware that you do not have a good sulca support you need to make two flaps for the gluteal procedure right there. Once you make the flaps, you make two sclerotomy sites beneath the flaps as it is done in a normal gluteal procedure. Now these sclerotomy sites we try to use for posterior assisted levitation. The advantage being that we have two sclerotomy sites beneath the flaps and both the sclerotomy sites can be used for doing a posterior assisted levitation and we call this as a modified posterior assisted levitation because in a routine Paul that we call, we do it from uh, 3 millimeters from the limbus, that is from the parts plana as it has been described in the peer-reviewed process. Uh, so the advantage of uh, doing a modified Paul is that the sclerotomy side gets covered up by the flap, by the scleral flap at the end of the surgery. You have two sites to assess the nuclear fragments and bring it up into the anterior chamber and uh, the same sites are then being used for uh, doing vitrectomy. So it's uh, one site which is used totally for the entire uh, procedure. So uh, this is advantage of doing a modified posterior assisted levitation and you need not suture up these uh, sites because they are definitely going to get covered. The next step is the Iwellski fall because you, once you have managed bringing up all the fragments into the anterior chamber, we do an Iwellski fall procedure where we take a three-piece intraocular lens, we inject it into the anterior chamber, the Iwell optic it occludes the pupillary area, it prevents the drop of the fragments into the posterior cavity and with the fecal emulsification probe, you can uh, emulsify these fragments which are lying there into the anterior chamber. Once you have done this, you remove the peripheral cortex with the vitrectomy probe. The advantage of doing this is that you are cutting the vitreous along uh, with the removal of the cortical matter which is lying there in the periphery. And the third thing that we try to do is once you have handled all this, uh, you have finished up with the ILSK fall procedure, the haptics of the same three-piece IOL is then re-externalized from the sclerotomy sites which has been created and uh, a normal gluteal procedure is then done. So with a closed chamber approach you get to do everything, you get to levitate the fragments, you tend to emulsify the fragments and you also tend to fix up the intraocular lens in this eye. So this works beautifully as a closed chamber approach. So Priya, I, I've, 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 I've seen you do these, these cases on video and you make it look very very smooth and very very easy. Um, the, uh, I have done the IOL scaffolding, actually I think that I learned this from uh, uh, you previously, um, for, uh, for posterior capsule rupture and I found it very, very helpful and it definitely holds the nucleus back, uh, it holds it anteriorly much better than, than you would think that it would. Having said that, it's, it's harder to put the lens in than you might 
think. First of all, since you have the cataract anterior, you to some extent lose visibility of the of the IOL as you're as you're putting it in the in the eye. Um, also, I want to reiterate one of the things that you've said. We're putting in a posterior chamber and trochlear lens. It's a three-piece lens. But while we're doing it for the scaffolding, the intent, our intention is to put the haptics in the AC to put it anterior to the to the iris. Yes, we'll put it in the posterior chamber later. But for right now, we we want it in front of the of the iris so so that it acts as a as a barrier. So it's kind of un, unfair for, for, for me to ask this, I mean, having done this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you have any concern that you're going to damage the optic when you're doing FACO of these residual nuclear fragments, which can be quite large, on top of the optic when you're using the optic as a, as a scaffold? Uh, no, we do not uh, tend to damage the nuclear fragments uh, with the FACO emulsification uh, probe or with the power that is being used to emulsify these nuclear fragments. Um, the anterior surface coating study for these optic of uh, the IOLs has been done and it has been proven that uh, IOLs KFR procedure, it really does not, uh, the FACO emulsification power and the procedure does not really damage the anterior optic surface as we feel. Uh, the second point is that uh, the IOL scaffold procedure, uh, it depends where you place the haptics. If you have a silica support uh, and if it is visualized and you have a good pupil dilation at that point of time, you can initially place both the haptics on the sulcus and then do it. The advantage being that you will get a comparatively deeper anterior chamber at that point of time as compared to placing the haptics onto the anterior surface of the iris. But when you do not have a support, a sulcus support, the only alternative that a surgeon is left with is placing the haptics onto the anterior surface of the iris. And that is how uh, it is managed. So uh, the issue here is that I would like to say once again that uh, as you said, when you are injecting the IOL inside, yes, the visibility might be a bit hampered because you already have fragments into the anterior chamber. Uh, what you can do at this point of time is that when the IOL is being injected, what we try to do is uh, you can take a rod or a spatula and you can just clear up the center of the pupil. You can push the fragments a little bit on the side so that, you know, you do not trap the fragments in between the optic and the posterior capsule. So that's also a very important clinical aspect that a surgeon needs to be careful. Otherwise, if you have a fragment lying behind the nuclear, behind the optic of the IOL, it's going to be a bit difficult later on because then you have to uh, just uh, move the optic and then you have to push the fragment aside and then bring it again back into the anterior chamber. So you can use a rod, you can push the fragments a bit aside and then inject the intraocular lens. So that yeah, can be taken I, care and, of. And I'm not, not suggesting that I've done this 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 technique which is new. Uh, the, uh, the only time that I've done s scaffolding is when I've initially widened the, the wound and then put the lens and I've never tried as I've seen you do so nicely in video to insert a folded lens and unfold that as uh, uh, scaffolding that actually looks very very technically challenging. So let, let me ask you to describe the design of your study uh, of uh, this technique. Yeah, uh, that's a nice thing. Uh, actually in uh, our, uh, with us, we have been doing uh, all the procedures 
uh, for quite a bit of time, you know, because when you have to do all the three surgical procedures, the surgeon should be well acquainted with all the three procedures. It's only then it can be uh, comprehended and it can be put into practice. So uh, for us, this was a prospective study because we have done uh, quite a bit of similar cases in the past also. So we had taken up this study as a prospective and we had enrolled the cases uh, which had a minimum of one year follow-up. That was the basic inclusion criteria and uh, currently we have a follow-up of more than even one year too and uh, uh, the uh, main exclusion criteria was the non-followability of the patients or those who dropped out from the study so uh, that was the main thing uh, of our study it was a prospective interventional uh, study. And how uh, large was the, the patient population that you studied for? for uh, what we have published is about 25 cases, but uh, now we have uh, data of uh, five to six more cases. And what, what, what were your uh, main outcome measures from, from, from this? Uh, the main outcome measures were definitely, uh, that was taken into account, was the visual equity, the uh, best corrected visual equity, the pre-op and the post-op, the endothelial cell count loss, uh, which we tried, which we had encountered any posterior segment complications that uh, came up during the procedure. So this was the main outcome measure and uh, what we uh, came across was that uh, in, um, uh, we did not have any major posterior segment complication except that there was uh, a bit loss of a cortical fragment in one or two cases which was easily managed by doing a, a vitrectomy procedure. But apart from that, uh, we had a very respectable endothelium cell loss too. Uh, it wasn't much more, it, was, it wasn't more than 15%. Uh, the, the criteria being that uh, we did not take very hard or very mature, dense grade 4 cataracts or brown cataracts into this because we do not recommend doing an ILSK fault procedure in those cases uh, as it can be detrimental to the health of the endothelium. Yeah, no, of course. So the, 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 this is really, really neat stuff. It's a lot of there. There are a lot of moving parts to to this to this surgery, and I think that it's implausible that any cataract surgeon who for whom each each of the parts of the surgery is novel would approach a surgery doing all of these parts at the same time. So, for the the reasonable ophthalmologist who wants to begin to implement this this technique. What do you recommend? What What do you recommend as far as a stepwise approach to 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 incorporating this? Uh, I would recommend uh, surgeons before adopting all uh, this, this entire surgical procedure, they should be well versed with the basic that's an IOSK fold procedure. Uh, you should be able to emulsify the fragments uh, in cases of posterior capsular rupture. No doubt if you have a good sulcus support, you can place it on the sulcus uh, on the uh, anterior capsular margin and then you can em emulsify. Once you are well versed with this part aspect, uh, you also need to be uh, well versed with the gluteal procedure too. So once you have mastered these two techniques, I think uh, it's just a matter of time that you need to follow this into a sequential order just to follow this. It's a really, really, really clever stuff, Priya. Not a shock because you, you present clever stuff every time that, 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 I, that you and I speak. Um, Priya, I want to thank you very much for, for, for doing this, for, for bringing this, this interesting topic, this interesting paper uh, to us. Uh, I want to thank you very much for your generosity with your time. Thank you, Josh, so much. Thank you. Priya Narang comes to us from the Narang Eye Care and Laser Center in Ahmadabad, India. 
her paper, A Triumvirate of Techniques for Sinking Nucleus in Deficient Sulcus Support, is currently under review. Ask questions of Dr. Narang or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.